Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Burton from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. It's time for another splendid episode of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We are right here at 1600 Buck Slayer Place, right in the Bucketorium, beautiful Sherrard, Illinois. I forgot I used to try to do the zip code, and I never remember it. Never remembered it, and I don't remember it now. Normally, you just made up something pretty crazy, and then it like went well, and everyone laughed, and then you moved on to the next thing. Yeah, that uh, doesn't happen anymore. Those days are long gone. I am Steve. We're at, <laughs> <laughs> we at Kurt's house. Kurt. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going? How are you doing? Doing great. You need to take another swallow of your yeah, soda, I, I guess. Uh, Eric is yet again on second shift. He will be back um, the next pile of episodes. Give it like five episodes. He'll be back, back yeah. and, and saying very few but wise words as he as he always does. Uh, so we miss Eric. Um, don't forget about him. He still he still does work. If you order something from WorkingClassBowHunter.com, he's sending it out. With love, he kisses every product and puts it in the box, and now nobody wants to buy anything. Sorry I said that, Steve. Why did you have to tell anybody? <laughs> that was our little giggle secret. It was just with love <laughs> from Working Class Bowhunter. Glamour <laughs> shots of Steve coming to the podcast store. Um, oh, good Lord. Yeah, maybe. 
If enough people ask, we will make that a thing, and I will be disgusted. <sighs> we'll do it. We'll do anything for money. We will. Well, most things, not anything. There's a few things we won't do. But what we will <laughs> That's do, true. yeah. What we will do is keep doing podcasts, and the reason why we're able to do these podcasts is from our wonderful partners. This episode is brought to you by Elite. This Elite is a, Archery. This, this is going to be a cool episode. Uh, one of our favorite guys ever on the planet's going to be on. He's an elite shooter. We're going to get more into it's Darren Christianberry. I, you guys already read w- what's going on, so I'm super excited for it. He's uh, we're going to talk a signed about- elite catalog here to my right on the wall, signed by Darren. Yeah, that shirt used to be signed by Darren. <laughs> That's my other one. I had another. Oh one yeah, elite shirt that, it's still on there, kind of. <laughs> yeah. What am I not going to wear? It? Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so this is going to be a really really cool episode. We're super excited for. Big shout out to HHA Sports. Check out the new Virtus 22. Again, that uh, that rest that they've got going on, um, you know, 22 vets a day take their lives. They're trying to get that number to zero, and 2.2% of the proceeds that are going to be um, made by the Virtus 22 rest are going to go to PTSD charities, so mm-hmm. check that out. We highly suggest you do. Good cause over there. Check out HHA Sports, um, single pin sides, lifetime warranty, support our veterans. Oh, all day. Scent Crusher. Gotta love Scent Crusher. They got some new stuff uh, that's out, um, and we'll just let you go over to ScentCrusher.com and check that out. But as you all know, you all heard about the Ozone Go, the gear bags, the closet. Um, It's all good. It kills the stench off Steve's boots. Well, guess what? We're going to be able to kill the stench in this room. I know. We are. We are going to be able to do that. We'll talk about that later, though. Um, Also, Go ahead. Uh, Do you want to talk about... No. you, You like Scott. You have a bigger man crush on him. I do, I do, and Scott is a great man to have a man crush on. Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. Hoping to see him in, oh boy, just a few months. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hopefully it don't take that long. But with my travel schedule for work, my, my day job, yeah. who knows what can happen? Things are kind of sporadic right now. Um, so if episodes seem kind of wonky within the content, you're like, wow, that sounds like a little dated. Some things are some are pre-recorded, but we try not to make them too pre-recorded because we like to be as um, current to the week of our episodes as possible you got a vet shout out steve i do uh this vet shout out i've shouted this guy out before he's uh on instagram crispy as he's known on instagram um he has no idea we shout him out probably probably not but he got his first bow kill on a buffalo um and i thought it was very cool he was uh he was involved in a um you know over overseas in combat got burned up pretty bad and like you know he's He's got some disfigurements, but he rose above all that. And, you know, there's there's a pretty cool thing he said on his uh, Instagram. You know, he's blessed enough to harvest his great buffalo with his bow. It was very special because it was his first bow kill. But when he first started shooting his bow, his draw was 25 pounds because of his hands. And if you go to his Instagram, you'll see why. But he practiced, practiced. He's at 56. Got the job done. I, I you know, I, I don't know what else to tell you. What's go his check in- him out. Instagram handle? It's a crispy eleven B. So go give him a follow, man. The guy's awesome. He's very entertaining. Um, served our country, so thank you for uh, everything you've done. And uh, yeah, man, uh, great shout out, great shout out. Um, I think that's all. Check out workingclassboner dot com. We have the new Go Shoot Your Bow shirts are out. Um, they're selling like crazy. We're <laughs> actually they're selling way better than I ever thought. I was it was one of those designs. It's big and bold and kind of in your face, but it has all the aspects of archery in it. Where I'm like, people are going to like it or they're going to hate it, and I think people like it. 
Um, I know we definitely love it. That's why we put it out. But we're going to work on bringing some new stuff for the hunting season, different types of clothing. Um, people are asking for all sorts of stuff. So we're working on that. It takes a little time for us. We're not a uh, we're not we're not wild game innovations. You know, it takes us a bit. 50% off trail cameras, huh? Saw that the other day at the old department store. Oh, really? I did. I don't know if it has anything to do with Wild Game Innovations in general, but it's awfully funny. Um, hey, if you steal one of those and then say, oh, yeah, I didn't mean to, or is that still wrong? Well, you just open the package, leave the camera on the floor, and then take the better one. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> <You> will- <laughs> it's killing me inside. All right, moving right along. Back on track. I'm surprised you like that one that much. Oh, I like that. I loved it. All right, back onto the episode here. We got to get Darren Christianberry on. It's been a little while, about a year since we talked to him. Has it been? It's been close, real close. Last summer, he no- normally does one podcast with us a year. He needs like that long, yeah, to time re- frame. Re- recuperate. I think it's long enough for him to forget who we are, and then we get into it, and he's like, "Oh, not these guys again." I remembered why. <laughs> yes, the therapy. He's <laughs> it a, didn't work. He's a great guy. We'll just we'll get right into him uh, and hear him talk about archery and and everything he's good at great guy hope you enjoyed the episode all right on the phone with us we have my my favorite professional archer i don't know about kurt but uh we get a lot of positive reviews every time we have you on so we got to keep bringing it darren christianberry how you doing i'm doing good guys i'm i'm your favorite professional archer because i might be the only one you actually know personally is that true (laughs) no comment Oh, uh, shoot. But I'll, I'll take that I'll take that title regardless. I'm happy with that. All right. Well, hey, I'm Team Christian Barry all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, you are the first. We, our first podcast we did with you was at the Bone Shed in Ottawa, Illinois, and we did yeah. it actually in person. And so that yeah. was, it was cool. It's kind of been a yearly tradition since. Yeah, no, it's good. I hope we, I hope we can continue to do it. Well, we appreciate the heck out of you. Good. Thank you, guys. Thanks for letting me talk about what we do and what I do and flying our flag for us we appreciate that yeah uh, absolutely let's um as, as a little refresher you know if we because we always get uh new listeners chiming in you know just as a uh as a little refresher talk about a, a little bit of who you are and uh and what you do oh gosh yeah um well as you said darren christenberry i live in spencer indiana lived in this little town my whole life um Fell in love with archery at a super young age. Uh, the earliest memories I have of it were probably eight years old. And, uh, you know, my gram- my grandma's sister, her husband, made me willow limb boots, shoestring bows. And, I mean, I loved it. And then finally my dad got me into a real recurve with arrows. And I just, man, it's been a lifelong love. But I really didn't understand where I was going with archery until I turned 21. Um, local shop. I'd driven by it a hundred times, thousands of times, really. Uh, Parker's Archery indoor range, and I thought, there's no way they shoot bows and arrows inside. There's just no way. <laughs> and uh, stopped in there one night as a fluke. My 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 wife to be. Her parents were going out for uh, Valentine's Day dinner, I believe it was, and her brother had joined a league, and they wanted to stop and see if he wanted to join us for dinner. And I said, ah, oh, this is perfect. I've always wanted to see what this place is like. And I walked in there. Saw these people shooting bows, purple bows, green bows, red bows at target faces and was just like, holy smokes, this is this is me. And it's it, it was a life-changing day. This archery's been in my blood ever since. And I live it, eat it, breathe it, work in the industry. Uh, I've competed local, regional, national, worldwide tournaments for the past 20-some years. And it's just, it's what I do. It's who I am, and I love it. 
Awesome. I love that. Like, you knew right away that was for you. Just right I, I, did, I did, and I don't know why. I mean, who who makes a living playing with bows and arrows? You know, I, I didn't. I worked in a, a factory for General Electric making refrigerators for almost 11 years, and that's what I was going to retire doing. You know, I just knew that I was going to make a living with my hands, but I didn't realize it was, was, it was, it was with bow strings and glue and fletchings and things like that. So it's uh, it's been a life-changing adventure for me, and I wouldn't change one thing about it. Well, yeah, and that's... You know, it's it's the American dream, and you've uh, you know recently when when we met you, you know here a couple of years ago, you know for a couple of years you were with Elite, and yep. you know not only were you a, a, a pro shooter with them, but you started working a little bit more with them on on, on the business side, you know, and they yeah. had you, they had you selling bows for them because they were like you know. Yeah, tell talk about that transition a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I've chased the dream. You know, when I was twenty one, that's nineteen ninety one. You know, and that was pre internet. You know, so if you wanted tournament information, you had to subscribe to magazines or hear it word of mouth or see a printed schedule at your local shop. So I was starving for information. You know, where can I go to tournaments? How can I shoot? How can I get better? How can I win five dollars at a tournament? You know, anything I could do to get into archery. So. I progressed and I spent thousands of dollars out of my pocket to win um, my first world championship as an amateur in 1997. And then after you make your face known at so many tournaments, manufacturers start to recognize you after a while. And I started getting sponsors and, you know, began to progress a little bit with entry fee money, some travel money, some expenses. And then it turned into a 11-year venture with Matthews. I shot professionally for Matthews for almost, well, I did for 11 years. And um, at the end of 20, or the middle of 2013, uh, elite approached me and said hey we know it's the end of your contract year do us a favor and at least give us a shot you know this was like april of 2013 and they and i was like elite you know who, who in the world is elite you know <laughs> matthews and hoy that was the that was the big two names and you'd hear some other bow manufacturing there too but elite just really never was on my radar and i right. thought well you know I said, before we ever go anywhere with this, I said, send me some bows. You know, I at least want to see if I can shoot the bow, uh, because if I can't win, it's of no interest to me. You know, no matter, no amount of money will take the place of a victory. You know, just something about winning is so hard in professional archery that the money, no amount of money will satisfy you as much as knowing you've got first place. And that's a really cool feeling. But, uh, anyway, they sent me the bows. I shot them. I loved them. We talked and, I decided to leave Matthews. I was going to go shoot professionally for Elite, and I signed a three-year contract with them. And about three weeks after I signed that contract, the VP of Sales and Eric Griggs called me, and they said, hey, we've got a proposal. How about you come work for us? I said, doing what? And they said, sales. And I said, well, I don't know the first thing about being a salesman. They said, you don't have to. Go in these shops, talk archery with these people, just be you, do what you do. We think it'll work. And I'm like, Ugh. so I talk it over with my wife. And sure enough, I accept the position. And I spent uh, the last three and a half, four years doing sales for a lead in the outdoor group. And it was uh, interesting. I mean, like I said, something I'd never done, had no experience in it. But I could talk the talk. I could walk in and, and relate to these dealers and understand, you know, what kind of language they were speaking to me. And I could understand understand what they were trying to get out of me and i could i could sell the product that they needed so it, it worked but now i've transitioned into a new job with tog and it's an even it's an even bigger adventure but it's all good too yep and we'll uh we're gonna get into that um here a little bit a little bit later 
It's, uh-huh. it's on the day. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, we'll Perfect. ask you about that. But what we want <clears throat> to talk about, you, the year you are having right now, th- that new position is included. Yeah. Um, we, we've obviously been a fan of yours since the minute we we met you. Um, you know, and the one of the coolest things is, you know, now that Elite works with us, it's super cool to be able to call you a teammate. I don't know if you yeah. approve, but we like to yeah, say no, it. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's, it's, it's great because, you know, the connection and appreciation that you guys see, you know, I take things for granted sometimes. People come up to me all the time. Hey, man, how much that stabilizer costs? Hey, man, how much that site costs? I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't even know. It's been so long since I've had to take money out of my paycheck to buy a piece of archery equipment. You know, I really understand and appreciate the people that are still supporting what we do, the companies we have, and archery as a whole in the archery industry. I have a a really great appreciation for customers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you guys believe in what we do and, you know, want to be a part of that team, man, I I do. I love being able to call people teammates, you know. Uh, I just have an appreciation for it. And, And working in sales, you know, being in archery for this many years, transitioning into this new job it's all you know it just gives me a whole new appreciation for what we do in the industry we work in yeah and it's you know it's a it's a pretty cool thing but you know my my favorite thing so far this year uh you know the the tournament schedule is just getting underway and i want to talk about asa foley Uh uh-huh um you know the first tournament of the year. You know, I, and I, I was trying to follow a little bit. You know, get get a little bit of content for the podcast, just to try to bring things in because we love three D shooting. Yeah. And wouldn't you know it? I look up and all of a sudden I see here coming to a shoot off is Darren Christianberry. <laughs> I was like, you know, and I was like, hey, the old dog still knows new tricks. I I don't, I don't know what else to say, man. That was talk a little bit about that experience. First tournament wow. of the year. It, it, it is, and and as you know, living in the northern Midwest, I live in South Central Indiana, but we have all four seasons when it comes to weather. You know, we have the spring, we have the hot summers, we have the cool fall, and then we get feet of snow sometimes. And on those winters, three D practice from November to January can sometimes be non-existent. So then, late January, early February, when the ASA has their first tournament of the year. You go down sometimes with zero practice, and that's literally what this year was. And it wasn't weather-related. It was work-related because Elite decided to launch their bowline at the ATA show, Mm -hmm. which normally we launched in October. So I had October, November, December to get on the road, sell bows, write programs. Come January in ATA, all we really had to worry about was accessory brands, Scott, CBE, Winner's Choice, Slick Trick, you know, all that stuff. And then tournament season started, so I was freed up. I could shoot some arrows, you know. Well, this year was different. It was 99% of the time was work, and 1% of the time was left for shooting. And I literally had so little free time. I couldn't even set up a new bow. I had ordered some rhinodized bows. I had a purple one and a yellow one and a blue one and got some cool new colors. And I thought, all right, I'll shoot one of these new bows this year at Foley. I didn't have time to set one up. Fortunately, <laughs> the bow that I shot at the Classic last year, I came in and just hung it up on a hook, and there it sat. So a couple of weeks before Foley, I get this bow down, and I go out and I check the gra- through the graph. I shoot it at 20 yards in my range. I go out and check and make sure the sight tape's good. Boom, there's my ASA bow for the year. You know, so I go down to Foley, and and really I said, I bought a Lynx target, which was a new ASA target that the ASA 
was going to use on the ranges this year. I bought one from Art Brown at the ATA show. I came home and set the lynx out, and I think I set a coyote out. I set two targets out, and I shot four arrows, two at each target, and that was my 3D practice before I went to Foley. Now, I always go to Foley a day early to practice like I'm cramming for a test, and for some reason... The bow was good, and I was just seeing numbers, and I got to shoot with, I think I think I shot with Levi both days, uh, and probably Tommy Gomez. Tommy and I have shot almost every tournament together this year, it seems like, and I was keeping pace, and I was like, well, I know these guys have been practicing. You know, I know how good of a judger Tommy is, and I know just what a talent Levi is, and I was keeping pace. Well, then at the end of the second day, I found myself in the shoot-off, and I'm like, man, how did that happen? You know, no practice, and haven't <laughs> judged targets, and I guess I was just drawn from a lot of mental experience, maybe. That's the, that's the best thing I can think of, but shot a solid shoot-down, couldn't catch Tommy, ended up in second place, but had felt like I'd won the tournament. I couldn't have been happier, and it was just uh, called a fluke, call it what you want. I was tickled to be there, and very fortunate to to be successful still. You know, I just turned 47 this year, and my eyes aren't great. My body's not perfect, but I still got a little bit of game, I feel like, so it's it's good. <laughs> so awesome. there you go. Anyone listening, if you want to shoot, hey, you don't have to practice. It's all mental. <laughs> I take that from the Darren yeah. Christianberry book. That's awesome. It shows like when you're on, you're on, though. You know what I mean? It, it, it is. And I, I guess it's – and the best way I explained it in the interviews down there is I, I knew my bow was right. And it was – when we got out of the car down there at Foley, I was shooting the bags at 20 yards, checking my tape, and then at 50 yards. And, I mean, I was like – blowing knocks up and banging bushings up on my arrows just clink 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 every arrow was touching no matter what distance and i traveled with my buddy from home here jason hale and i told jason i said holy crap this bow's pounding you know and he's like well that's good so i guess that put my mind at ease to where i didn't have to think about anything but looking at that target trying to figure out how far it was and how to set my sight you know is it 41 is it 42 i didn't worry about anything else but just focusing on judging yardage and set my sight in the right position. And it uh, at the end of the weekend, it, it worked. So I need to remember how to do that. I haven't had another second-place finish since the first tournament, and I think it may have just been luck. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, there was – I don't know. There must be something in the water or something that you're doing this year because, uh, you know, fast forward a couple months, uh, what I've called here the legendary Paris-Texas comeback. Yes. <laughs> that was – the, and and it, it's crazy. I did a um, had to do a um, a resume, for lack of a better word, for our marketing team. They wanted a list of our highlights, uh, podium finishes as a pro shooter, and I was like, "Crap, I don't have any of that anywhere." So I went out in my range and I started doing inventory of contingency checks. And just to figure out how many podiums I've been on, because I keep all those big Happy Gilmore checks, and they're on display out my range. It's my, own little, <laughs> awesome. my own little, you know, my own little man cave trophy den, whatever you want to call it. But it's just my little, it's just my little place, and I like to look at those checks, and it's a pretty cool keepsake. And I was going through there, and it was Texas second place, Texas third place, Texas first place, Texas, Texas second place, Texas third place, and I was like, holy crap! And Texas is one of my favorite places to shoot, but. I didn't realize I had made the shoot off there all but about two years over the past seven or eight years. And, um, don't know what it is. Um, first day in Texas didn't have a great day. The second day we were traveling to the shoot. And I think I either told Jason or Tommy, I said, man, today'd be one of those days to have the round of your life. 
and I got on a roll and I hit eight twelves in a row there Sunday or Saturday. We shot Friday, Saturday there and, uh, hit eight twelves in a row. I shot an eight on like the next to last target and Greg Poole comes by, you know, he's doing the bow junkie updates, you know, Hey, you know, here's what the cut's going to be, blah, blah, blah. And our very last target of the day is like a 46 yard hill country buck. And I'm like, holy smokes, he said, Dan, you need a 12 this make shoot down. I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, that <laughs> made it go from the size of a peanut to the size of a pinhead, you know. The 12 oh, yeah. aren't very big at that distance anyway. And somehow I hit it and made the shoot off. And then Texas is always 100-mile-an-hour winds, and it's a crapshoot. You know, you work your butt off all weekend long to try to get in the top five. And then once you get in the top five, it's so windy, you're just trying to hang on to your position. If you're in third, you're trying to hang on to third because you can't shoot aggressive enough to try to make a move. It's it's stay in the 10 ring and hope for the best. And that was my plan, hit five tens and see what happens. And mm-hmm. I went from fifth up to third by hitting five ten. well, six ten. No, it was just five because I don't think we shot a final arrow because Levi had a big enough lead. But I hit five ten rings and ended up in third place and got my second podium finish of the year. And, again, I was just like, wow, you know, and it just feels good. I, I want that feeling every single time. The money's great. It's bonus. But just being able to compete, get on that podium and, and have that uh, – respect or encouragement of your peers going man great weekend good shooting that's the greatest feeling in the world right i can imagine like the feeling of and it's funny the people that aren't into uh don't follow the 3d archery scene they don't realize how competitive and how intense that has to be for you guys battling through like you're not you're going through the range and you're trying to get up there and then you realize you're going to make the shoot down and then yeah to get a podium finish is incredible yeah, it is. It's tough because, you know, we're all friends, too. We shoot against each other every other weekend all year long, indoors, outdoors, whatever. You know, Levi and I are pretty tight. Me and Tommy talk all the time. We travel together. Um, just Nathan Brooks, good friend of mine. We just And we're all competing. Um, and, and we're all rooting for each other. But secretly inside, we're like, man, I hope he shoots an eight here so I can catch him. You know, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> There's always something like that going through your head because it is so tough. And you can go out there and have your greatest day ever and be in seventh or eighth place and not even get a paycheck. You know, IBO is really tough because the numbers, uh, number of shooters just haven't been there for whatever reason. And it's a shame, too, because the IBO has had such world-class ranges this year. The second leg we shot over here in Bloomington close to my house last month was just absolutely fantastic. And it hurts me to know that only about 400 people got to shoot those ranges where, you know, hundreds and hundreds or even thousands of people used to attend that. So uh, it's just a shame, but it's just so hard to compete, Um, you know, getting up there and, and, and getting that finish and, you know, being successful, it's tough. Whether it's five people or fifty, you've got to shoot your butt off to win a tournament, and uh, it's not an easy task. Yeah, and you know, I, I do wish uh, they would make it a, li- a little bit more accessible to see. I think, um, I think uh, what, what media Greg wise, doing, yeah, saying. media wise, I think what Greg Poole does, uh, you know, bow junkie when they cover those shoots is great. I yes. really, really enjoy World Archery just because it, they have the the ability to go live. Yes, you know, on, on, online, and it, it, to me, I see that as uh, as a nice little savior because everybody's going to online. So mm-hmm. I think that it probably wouldn't be as difficult. I mean, maybe it would just because of the the, the terrain that you're you're doing. You know, the the top guys that you'll follow, but I think that three D archery still has a very relevant place and could still 
be broadcast out. You know, I really hope that what what Greg's doing really blossoms. I do you know, too. And, and do it's too. something good. Yeah, and he does such a good job at covering, and you know, he's he's working his butt off. You know, with with uh, August and his production team, and the GoPros and the cameras, and you know, editing the shoot downs and the top five interviews afterwards. You know, it's he's flying the archery flag for everybody, but he's given each shooter, myself included, a chance to get on camera, on microphone, and tell stories, and you know, promote our brands, and you know, give value to what our sponsors are paying us to do. And I hope it, I hope it catches fire, and it's like a disease. I hope it spreads like crazy, um, and I hope it does get bigger because archery is just such a cool sport that you don't have to be tall, you don't have to be fast, you don't have to be pretty. Anybody can play this game, and you know golf is such a humongous sport in this country and all over the world, and it's just blown me away. They're so similar, but yet archery just never gets the publicity that you know hot dog eating contests on ESPN. You never see <laughs> archery on yeah. ESPN, but you can watch a guy choke down seventy hot dogs if you want. That just blows me away. Right. So, um, but yeah, I hope I hope people continue to do what they're doing greg's doing a fantastic job i think target archery is growing you know seeing the number of shooters um i really believe 3d archery is getting bigger and i think target archery is growing too um so it's just um it, it, it like i said it warms my heart to see this be successful because um, i have such a passion for these games and this sport and bow hunting itself and i want it to i want everybody to have an opportunity to get something out of archery like i have you know i could quit today and be completely happy with what i've done with bows and arrows and i hope everybody else gets to experience it in some form or fashion that i have i really appreciate it and love it and people should enjoy this game yeah and you know i i don't want to take anything you said personally but i think it was like a backhanded compliment you said you don't have to be tall fast or pretty i'm neither of those three but you said you could probably make it so <laughs> yeah well if you're, short, if you're short fat and ugly you might make a great archer who knows hey. i don't know <laughs> hey man i'm uh short and fat and my face has character <laughs> perfect he has a he has the uh what do they say the the face for a podcast face for a podcast yes, yeah, face for radio <laughs> yeah body for uh radio and uh yeah voice for radio yeah i got all three covered perfect <laughs> do you have any uh tips or advice for anyone that wants to get more involved in the sport of archery like maybe they're deep into bow hunting and they're like well i see it i hear people talk about it i hear it on podcasts see it on youtube but they don't know how to make that jump into the sport. Man, I, 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 if 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 you go down the path I did, I started at local leagues. I, I found my indoor range, um, stumbled in there, had no idea. You know, if I hadn't stopped in there that day to, you know, see if my brother-in-law to be wanted to go to dinner, who knows what I would have ended up doing with my life. You know, um, but local leagues and you know being exposed to that local competition and seeing you know different people shoot different equipment and what they were successful with it was you know i was getting a personal view of okay maybe i should try that or maybe i should try that or and there's tons of stuff for people to look at now with youtube videos and you know world archery videos and the 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 accessibility to information on how to be a good archer or how to get into archer is a hundred times more than what it was 20 years ago when I was starting. 
Um, you know, but I would recommend, you know, get with your local pro shop, especially for sponsorships. You know, that's where you start. You know, this is all sales related. We want to drive people into these stores. And if you're promoting a brand, prom- get your friends into these stores and get them buying those brands. And that's how it all starts and it snowballs from there. But I would say, you know, use the social media stuff, use the internet, start at your local archery shop, join some leagues. Um, it has to be in your blood though. I mean, you can't just go out there and, okay, I'm going to be a tournament archer because it sounds cool. You know, if you don't have the desire or drive to practice to compete or the want to win, you can enjoy archery without being competitive. I mean, you can deer hunt. You can shoot for cokes with your buddies in the backyard. You can just play around as a recreation. But I'm competitive. I want to win, whether it's first up the stairs or first, uh, you know, whatever. I want to win. So I wanted to take it to a whole new level. But, uh, you know, I started locally and just progressed and felt like i had something in my blood that said hey you could be good at this if you try and i've worked my tail off for a long time to try to be successful at it yeah and you know that that really shows i mean you know you, the career you've had it's a very storied career it's been fantastic and you know with that just because you wandered in that shop fast forward x amount of years now you just recently took a new promotion mm-hmm. uh, you're the elite pro staff coordinator Yes. That's huge. It's it's kind of intimidating really because you know as as my career progressed I've been on every level of staff you can imagine from 100% financed out of my pocket to slightly discounted to partially discounted to mostly discounted to completely discounted and then you know a few dollars for travel a few dollars for entry fees to a complete paid professional shooting contract I've seen every level so I really have a good idea and understanding of what shooters need and you know what uh not necessarily i hate to say what they deserve that's a bad word but um you know what i don't know really know how to word it but you know what a what a person i don't even really know how to word it you know it's I guess that's the best word I can come up with, what they deserve. You know, if you've worked your butt off for years and won 50 national championships, you probably deserve a shot at a good professional contract with a company. You know, if you're a guy shooting, you know, buzzards off the fence posts in your backyard, you probably don't deserve a professional shooting contract yet. Right, but, uh, right. you know, it's it's been uh, having that understanding and, and holding those positions through, uh, and, and knowing a lot of people in the industry and seeing the faces on the 3D tournament range, they felt like this would be a better position for me to come in and, and stabilize our pro staff and even grow our pro staff to, to support our brands and, and help everything grow as it should. So it's been a challenge so far trying to get a grasp of the number of people that are out there that want sponsorships, that are looking for sponsorships, or you know trying to get an understanding of you know what level of sponsorship people should be at so it's been a little overwhelming but we're solving the world's problems one at a time and it's been a really really good transition so far yeah and to me you know it's it seems like um you know not to make it a pro wrestling reference but i think they put the belt on you you know um you know they're allowing you to take control of me because when you've got guys like you know chance mm-hmm. um, yeah you tommy gomez yep. um nathan brooks all these guys, you know, real wild. Yeah. That caliber of talent just on one team and uh now they're they're having you take care of them and 
coordinate everything, you know, maybe help out a little bit. And with your experience, I mean, obviously, you know, you're going to be coaching a little bit. That's a huge honor, I think, to you for everything yeah, that it, you have done. Man, that's huge. It is, and, and you know, it's it's great to see these young pro shooters, Jacob Marlowe, his mm. brother Tyler, uh, TJ Strykowski, uh, you know, just Brandon Sheehan. We've got some super talented young guys and gals. Yeah, don't Maddie forget the ladies, Kara. What's that? Uh, that was a, don't forget the gals, too. They're, they're tearing yeah, it up, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, Maddie Rutkowski, you know, Cara Kelly, Christy Collin. I mean, we've got – we have a re- – ridiculous amount of talent shooting elite bows right now in TOG products and you know that's why I say it's intimidating because you know these people have expectations but I also have expectations too you know and then once we get budgets figured out and get people in place I really think their goal is to we want to build a pro staff that is that's the pinnacle of people's desire we want to be on that pro staff because that's where the cool kids hang out. That's the best pro staff in the industry, and they're the best taking care of people. That's their goal. We want to be the best. So we're working on getting there, you know, and uh, it's going to take some time to make it flow perfectly. Uh, I'm going to make some mistakes. I'm sure some people are going to have their feelings hurt along the way, and that's it's a business, you know. I mm-hmm. Don't make this personal ever. This is a business. So, um I'm looking forward to the challenge. I'm looking forward to seeing how it grows, and I want to keep supporting these talented people we have and watch this team, watch the success build. It's going to be a good, good thing to watch. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, and Darren, I manage the working class bow hunter pro staff, and I tell Steve all the time, like, you keep it up, you're out of here, man. And <laughs> yeah, it's hard for him to realize that I'm the guy in charge. You know what I mean? So I know yeah. how you feel, Darren. I know how you. Yeah. Feel. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and have have him resubmit a resume every September too, so you can see if you want to keep him on there or not too. That's exactly right. Oh yeah, don't tell him that. Steve makes two wrestling references in one podcast. I'm like, dude, I don't know. Hey, come on, man, you're allowed one. I'm allowed one, but I I overstepped my boundaries. Um, you know, I I do want to want to talk about where Elite is uh, is going. I mean, you know, when you talk about you know the ASA and things like that, you know that that's pretty localized to just america now when you when you get to the world archery i i love whenever they go overseas and just like the the settings and and things like that um you know where they have it and the foreign shooters it's it's always weird to me to see like you know the guys from iran and they're just shooting like matthew's bows so i'm just like is that weird that like you know there's like you know just an archery shop that just sells like camo bows in iran and it's something that blows I'm sure they're my mind. Sponsored or something? I, I'm and sure. I know that. No, I know they are, but you know, I'm I'm curious to see what the uh, what the fingers of elite will will wander into, like you know, Europe and Asia and things like that. I mean, I'm I'm I'd love to see what happens in a couple years, you know, just yeah. because I think it's interesting to me. It is, and and I don't even think we've begun to scratch the surface yet. And here's why: we did anodized bows for the beginning of time with elite you know if people wanted a target colored bow it had to be an anodized finish which is a chemical process and 2015 that's the, that's my best memory of of issues we were using the same anodizer that hoyt used in northern california or somewhere in california so you can imagine elite machines 
a whole crate of victory risers. They put them on a truck or a plane and they fly them clear across the country. They unpack these risers, they prep them, they anodize them, they repack them, they put them in a crate, they ship them all the way back to New York, and then we have to build them, assemble them, you know, whatever. And that was just a crate of one color. Say, that's orange. Well, you know, we fulfilled all the orange, but now we've got 70 blue bows that we need to order. So we build a crate of risers, we pack them up, we ship them to California. This is taking weeks. Weeks to get bows in stock and in inventory, and our distributors around the world, the JVDs, all these guys, the supply-demand, we could never deliver target bows in a timely manner, so people are like, I can't get the Elite, I'm going to go buy whatever else is available. So now we've changed to a Rhinodize, an in-house, it's it's, it's a, a, a... Powder coat on steroids is probably the Mm -hmm. best thing I can describe it as, but it's something we can do in-house, and we're turning out target bows in three and five days now. So we have the capabilities to meet the demands if people want it. We can supply distributors with bows. Uh, We've progressed as a company, you know, trying to figure out how to meet the supply-demand thing. We had no idea that elite bows were going to go as crazy as they did, and this many people would want to be on staff, and this many people would want to shoot for contingency. And, you know, we've made some mistakes and some funky decisions, but, man, if you never make mistakes, you don't learn anything. And we're learning a lot. We're putting people in the right positions, changing up the seats on the bus. Um, And I really anticipate big things in the future. I think you're going to see more and more elite target bows not just domestically, but worldwide. Um, and I'm excited about that because that's an untouched market for us. We've never been able to supply people with a good diet of bows, and I think we're about to hit that threshold. Well, you got uh, Logan Wild at the helm now, don't you? Yes, yeah, yeah, Logan. Him and I, him and I actually talked for quite a while today. You know, I've known, and several, some people have known about his new position for a couple of months now. I don't know when the official date was, but about May first uh, is, I think, when that took place somewhere around in there. But the official announcement was today, and uh, Logan and I actually had a personal conversation with the owner uh greg Steele of tog and said hey we really want to figure out a game plan to attack the international market to build a shooting team to you know mirror image what we have here in the states i mean there's a lot of blue and white bows or a lot of blue shirts uh holding elite bows on the asa tour and the ibo world and on the indoor ranges there's a bunch and i don't know what it looks like overseas but i anticipate with logan being at the at the steering wheel and you know me having kind of an idea of of, you know the direction i want to go and the direction they want us to go i think as a team i think we can really build this up and see a great expansion internationally too and i'm that's that excites me because like i said i think that's a very untouched market for elite that i think we're getting ready to crash into and, and see some big results yeah um you know when when we talk about the the rhinodized colors there's you have to see him in person, and there's. Uh, I think you're the guy to ask because this is like for a personal thing for mine. We shot a couple of a couple of the bows at uh, the Iowa Deer Classic this last year. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, the outdoor group was there, and there was this pink, and it wasn't like a hot pink, but it was. I can't describe it, but it was almost like a burnt pink. And I've tried to look online, and I'm like, man, that doesn't have the same effect. You know, when you look at it online, when you were looking at it in person. Do you it's know, the sun. It's the sunset pink. Do you know for a fact? Is that one hundred percent? Because that's, if I'm going to drop seventeen hundred dollars, that's, that's the one you want. <laughs> sunset pink because it's kind of like you know Dupont had a paint 
a few years ago when you looked at the car one way it was purple and when you changed angle a little bit it turned green and then you changed a little bit and it turned blue it was uh-huh. like a multi-color this is uh it's the sunset pink it's one of the coolest colors we have um and it doesn't really change colors but on the radiuses of the riser and the different curves of the machining you know whatever lights hitting it or the amount of lights hitting it it gives it that funky look to where it could be a multicolored bow and it's just one of the coolest colors we got i don't know what it is about that formula uh, of that color but it's the only one that comes out like that you know none of the other colors give you that multicolored look other than that sunset paint i will say my favorite color that i saw from ata that, that the one that i remember the most was the trendy teal yeah, yeah, that's a pretty popular color. That one, I don't know why. that one doesn't do much for me. So that's you know that's the difference <laughs> in eyes and different opinions. But uh, the trendy teal just doesn't do much for me. The sunset pink's cool. The surge red the uh, is one of my favorites. Uh, purple rain's a really cool color. Oh yeah, uh, you know. So we've got I think there's twelve of those rhino dice colors, and then we have a graphic designer in house, Jeff Southall, and this guy is a beast when it comes to designing stuff and. We've got a lot of cool stuff, you know, in the on deck. I don't know what's going to be launched, but man, oh man, to walk in there and see these prototypes of different things—it's just—it gets it gives me goosebumps because we have we've got the capabilities and we've got the team to just absolutely blow this up. So I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, what happens in 2018 and beyond because we've got some cool, cool stuff lined up. All right, well, well, well since you brought it up. Um... <laughs> Tell us what's you, coming you, next you year. Know, we well, need to know right well, now. Well, you put a teaser out. You put a teaser out. I cannot wait. Like, I can't wait any longer. So maybe you'll just tell us off air. But you put a, a, a teaser of a, a riser a little bit, and you said, what's the lead up to? Yeah. And there's a lot of speculations. I agree with a lot of every, everyone else that I think it's the LSU Tigers um, riser. Now, it's just, it, just off topic, are you an LSU fan? I am not, and I'll tell you why that ah. came up like that. I was at the factory. <laughs> I was at the factory back in April, I think it was, and I walk back through the offices, and I'm back in marketing and graphic design area, and I go by Jeff's desk, and there's this shelf, and there's like risers stacked up on this shelf, and they're all these cool colors, and I'm like, holy smokes, what is this? And he's just laughing, you know. He's like, what do you think? I said, why are we not building these? You know, he's like, ah, oh, we're working on some stuff and this, that, and the other. And he's like, what do you like? And I was like, well, I like them all, but this one's cool, and this one's cool, and this one's cool. And he's like, what's your favorite colors? And I said, well, favorite colors and colors of bows. I said, I really like the purple anodized, and I, I shoot flow yellow strings on almost everything I shoot target-wise. And he's like, well, let me work on something for you. So he throws this purple and chartreuse and black and this cool design together and you know a couple of weeks later he sends me these pictures he's like what do you think i'm like are you serious he's like this is going to be the darren christenberry bow and i'm like no yeah i was like build it you know so uh and i i don't know that it's going to be the darren christenberry bow but it's like a one of a kind that they want and i'm going to shoot it i'm going to take it to the opa levi's tournament next week um it's going to be the first time i shoot the bow um but it shoots so stinking good. I kind of want to shoot it for everything right now. I don't know why this bow tuned up as nice as it did, but it's it's one of my favorites to shoot right now. But it does have LSU colors, but it was just a blend of me saying, I really like the purple, and I shoot flow yellow on everything. So he said, let me go to work. So he designed this 
color fusion sock and they built a couple of risers out of it and it's just this purple and flow yellow and this cool blast of colors and i'm like yep and some people hate it i don't care i love it you know it's a cool looking bow so i'm gonna <laughs> it's gonna be public i did just a little teaser picture of it but i'll have it out where everybody can see it at the opa if not before and then you know hopefully a couple tournaments afterwards and then you know we've got a lot of cool stuff in the works i don't you know i can't talk about what's going on but there's just the opportunity oh, sure you and, can. Yeah. <laughs> you the can. opportunities that people are going to have and the design and the whole team that we have assembled man this just can't fail we've got too many good people in good places and this is I, I get excited talking about it it's good stuff well for these of you in podcast land head over to darren uh darren's facebook it's probably on there by now you never know depends on <laughs> <when> you're listening <laughs> so. uh, I, I might i might have to sneak a full a full size rendering of the bow up on there because a lot of people have been asking me hey when you gonna when you gonna show us that whole bow or we want to see the whole thing and chris brackett had one um that was kind of a it's a different pattern a little different design his his kind of looked like fire almost yeah uh, i saw had, that yeah he had a revel done you know mine's the victory 39 with a excuse me a little bit different pattern um you know just more separation in the colors it's just you know I, something that my eye liked and they built me one and said go out there and see what kind of response you get from people uh they're just trying to get a gauge a forecast would people be interested in this would people buy this um so we're just testing the waters without building a thousand of them and selling two you know we're going to build right. one or two and see yeah. if we can sell a thousand you know so <laughs> it's uh <laughs> that's the plan anyway the the one bow i wanted when we shot at the classic was the yellow revel and i was like i'm pretty sure rio oh. wild held this so i need to own it <laughs> that revel um as a as far i was as shooting a, that thing you're like yep kurt's buying one yeah as soon as because i got to shoot it um you know with the watchful eyes of our buddy larry mccoy uh-huh yeah, he had two eyes on all of us at all times <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to Larry. <laughs> uh, I shot that and I was like, do not let Kurt shoot this. He has a wedding he has to pay for. I watched Kurt shoot that and Kurt just looks at me and goes, yeah, I'm buying one. Yeah. It was uh, for a target bow, man, that thing is it's awesome. It's lights out. I don't yeah. know what they decided to do, but um, there's a, there's I, want, a, I want one bad. I really want one. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of new, you know, and, and, and that brings up a question that we've been getting asked a lot. You know, people are trying to figure out the price points of the bows. You know, we, we, we had more expensive hunting bows this year. We had uh, a more expensive target bow than we've ever had. But, you know, with some of the patents that they've come up with, uh, some of the engineering going to 7,000 series aluminum to, you know, machining all new pockets, all new cams, all new mods. I mean, it took a lot of money. Um, so there was an increase in cost and there was an increase, you know, relayed to the customers and people kind of got sticker shocked at first. They're like, Oh gosh, you know, what happened? And, and I hear it all the time, you know, visiting dealers when you get a bow where you have to put a one in front of the other numbers and break that thousand dollar mark it kind of makes people step back and think about what they're doing so it uh you know but 
there's a lot of technology in there. These bows are so efficient. We went to split limbs so we could work with different cam designs. We were kind of, we kind of hit the ceiling with solid limb bows, you know. Everybody wanted faster. Everybody wanted quieter. Everybody wanted something different than what we were doing. And we're listening. But, you know, listening to that came with a cost and a price. So, um, but that Revel, you know, if we could have brought that out, you know, it was kind of like, okay, are we going to do it? Yeah, we're going to do it. And then to get everything ironed out, get it into production and start shipping it, it took longer than we anticipated, you know, and we're selling the crap out of those right now. So I'm hoping, you know, we get everything dialed in, we get our launch dates dialed in, and then we can start shipping right after we launch stuff. If we do, I think we're going to have some really good success with some of this new stuff that's coming up for next year, too, because I'm super excited about the Bose for 2018. It's going to be a great year for us. Yeah, the, the thing, I'm shooting the Tempo this year. Steve's got the Option 6, and mm-hmm. Eric's got the Option 7. We're all in love with those bows. Um, but I, I saw a lot after ATA this year. Um, a lot of uh, bow manufacturers had a price increase, it seemed like. Or bows are just getting over that $1,000 mark, and there's, mm-hmm. there's new ones every year that are that expensive. Um, where do you see that going within the industry, Darren? Do you see that continuing? Prices continue to get higher? Or do you think it's going to peak out here and then eventually level off somewhere? Yeah, I think I think we've hit the peak. I really do. I mean, archery, the archery industry, and I'm no expert. Don't don't take this. Uh, you know, this, I'm, I'm no expert. Don't. This is not set in stone. But my opinion, archery industry as a whole has been flat to down for a couple of years you know some shops are still doing great they're showing improvement have some of their best months ever but i think companies as a whole have not seen a lot of growth or they're flat or maybe just a little bit down on sales and i blame the internet you know that's just yeah. that's just what i do mm-hmm. uh, but um i i think i you know we tested the waters you know hey how's this going to go uh, we sold a lot of bows we still sold a lot of bows but i know in my with my experience in my territory my dealers and their customers didn't receive the expensive bows as well they're like man once you break that thousand dollar mark it just turns into a different customer base and that's not our customer base we're at that thousand and below so i really think we're still going to have some offerings but i think you're going to see some more offerings at that thousand dollar mark hopefully lower uh because that's a customer base we've never hit before you know below a thousand dollars we just have never been there so I'm hoping to see some changes across the board, um, you know, and, and the way I explain it to people, and I was talking to a guy today on the phone, I said, you know, people where I live and a lot of the bow hunters that I know, they'll skip a house payment to pay to buy a new bow. You know, they'll skip a mortgage payment there in July or August to buy a new bow. But if they have to skip two house payments to buy a bow, they're not going to buy that new bow. You know, right, so yeah. that's just the, that's the best layman terms I can come up with there. You know, they just they, you have to keep it manageable for them. Uh, and sometimes when you get up there, that twelve, thirteen, fifteen, seventeen hundred dollar mark, that's a that's a smaller customer base. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, and oh, go ahead. Uh, no, no, yeah, go ahead. You were you were you were going no. No, I was just going to say, we, we're doing fishing. You know, our company, we've been fishing. You know, let's yeah. let's find out what works. Let's find out what our dealers want. Let's find out what their customers want. You know, so I think we're around in the corner. We've got a lot of people in some cool places now, and, and we've got some killer engineers. We've got some awesome graphic designers. Uh, we have some of the best archers in the world to go out there and show how good these bows are. I, 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 think, we're, I think the stars are lining up for some really positive things for Elite and the Outdoor Group. I really do. And 
you know, where I think, um, you know, to make a positive out of this, that uh, that Revel, there's a lot of uh, a lot of guys that we talk to around here, you know, that love hunting, but they love 3D and they love shooting a little bit of target. Yep. That Revel, for that price, you know, you can really think about it. Okay, you've got your hunting rig or you got your target rig. This is all in one. I know there's some guys that are going to hunt with that Revel because it's yep. only... What thirty five and one eighth? What what's the ATA on it? Thirty five plus or minus an eighth. Yeah, thirty four and seven eighths to thirty five and an eighth. Yeah, that's right on the money. Thirty five. So it's it's pretty close to the energy thirty five, and you know now now you can save. You know you can have one bow, and it's so tunable you can throw your three D accessories on it. You can throw your target accessories on it. Then when it's ready to hunt, tune it back into hunting. Right. I think that's. the best all-around bow that they have, and when I saw that thing come out, I, well, another it, game changer is too is if you're the type of person that buys a brand new bow every year, that changes a lot. If you could buy the Revel and shoot that thing for twenty years, no problem. But yeah, it, if you're the junkie, you're like, well, I'm going to buy a fifteen hundred dollar bow every fall. Then that yep. gets pretty pricey. You know? Yeah. It does, it does. And that bow, you know, the Energy 35 is probably, and I know the Impulses, the 31, 34, those were our best sellers ever. Um, you know, it was just a, it was just a good combination of speed, feel, uh, accuracy. You know, we sold more yeah. Impulses than we've ever done anything. But the Energy 35 was the bow that kind of put a lead on the map. You know, they're 2014. Mm-hmm. When we came out with that, you know, Levi shot some ridiculous scores with it and some record breaking tournaments in the IBO and ASA with it. I mean, it was just a bow that you could do everything with you know 35 inches is not my typical target bow but for the guy that wants one bow to cover every facet of archery that's where the rebel falls into too and a lot of people were there's a it's a mixed bag people love the elite feel high lead off solid back wall and there's guys that don't shoot the elite because it just doesn't have enough holding weight for them and it doesn't have a little bit of an aggressive cam that revel you know hits a lot of people it's kind of a good blend it's not the real high lead off Mm -hmm. but it's not a super aggressive like what a spiral cam would be so we've got another customer base with another bow that you know people are excited about you know and it's we're right. starting to move the needle with them you're seeing more and more of them and when people shoot them like man this thing shoots great so but yeah it's it's going to be in tree stands uh there's going to be people shooting 20 yard indoors with it and you know the guys are already shooting it on the 3d range and having some good success with it well we have a lot of listeners we'll get messages like hey how how's elite what elite do you have i've never shot one but i'm thinking of upgrading i'm going to go to my local shop and shoot one and I was mm-hmm. like, shoot them all, because I like all the Elite Bows this year. I love my tempo. absolutely love it. I had a Synergy before. Absolutely. Yep. That was probably my favorite bow of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an Impulse 31. We have a Spirit here in the studio. My tempo. Steve's got his uh, Option 6. And like we said earlier, uh, Eric has the Option 7. Yeah, and I, shot, a 30, yep. I shot the Impulse 34 last year, and that is a really, really hard bow to beat. I mean, yeah, it's it's super fast and it's super accurate. And I, I know the thirty five got a lot of uh, recognition for it being one of those do all bows and super accurate. And I think the Impulse thirty four is even more accurate. I love that bow. That's what I've hunted with the last. I definitely hunted with it last year. I don't know if I hunted with it the year before. No, last year I hunted with the Impulse 34. Um, this year I'm probably going to hunt with the Tempo. But, man, the Impulse 34 is hard for me to put down because the thing just drives tax. It's super accurate. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, for six-inch brace height, it's 
it's really it doesn't shoot like that. It shoots like a, a more forgiving setup, and that, I think that's part of the thing that impressed me the most was you know it's, it's built for speed, but it shot like a target bow to me. You know, it was really, 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 really good shooting bow. For sure, my dad uh, he has the Impulse Thirty One, absolutely loves it, and he's uh, I don't think he ever wants to get another bow. Honestly, he's like, I'm not just keep that thing for another twenty years. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's oh. like a guy who, who just retired and bought a truck. This is the last truck I'll ever drive. It's kind of his oh. attitude. He killed a nice buck with it last year, and he's like, thing just hits so hard, and it's just it's smooth and it's good for him to hold back. And he's yeah, he's good. He's happy. He's content. No. That's good, but unfortunately, we hope people buy buy bows more often than once every twenty right. years. Which yeah, we, <laughs> right. It's, it's true. We, we need that. We need we need the business. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Um, I, I I hope I hope people hear this and get really interested in bows, and you know, give a lead to try them. I and you guys hear us uh, plug them every, each and every week. Uh, I I do want to get a little sidetracked here. I want to ask Darren. Now, we talked about the great success you had. You know, you, you shot really good. You got a promotion at work. Was the secret Nutter Butters? Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be the common denominator. Okay, I don't right. know. It, it is. I, I, I keep telling everybody that I'm going to get Nabisco as a non-endemic sponsor one of these days, and we're going to have the Nutter Butter Open as a tournament that I want to organize. But Nabisco, unfortunately, doesn't know this yet. So I'm trying to figure out an end there to where we can get them to support it. But I've been, uh, you know, 3D, you know, you have a stool or some type of quiver mechanism when you're on the range and backed up at a target or you know sitting there waiting your turn or whatever you carry snacks and a drink or something within that quiver or stool and something that i got into a habit of a long time ago was carrying nutter butters and every time i would get in my stool to get a snack or get something people started recognizing and i started flashing that you know i'm a nutter butter guy so it's just kind of a kind of my uh 12 ring shooting fuel is what i call it if i'm on a 10 ring streak i was like oh i need to shoot some 12s i get out of nutter butter so it's a <laughs> little superstition that i have a little fattening experience that i keep with me and uh one of my favorite little snacks while i'm shooting my bow <laughs> all right so you guys heard it here darren christian berry's key to success don't practice it's all in your head eat junk food that's part of the basis it's perfect, perfect, perfect combination. Yep, I love it. That's what I got out of this podcast. Yeah, hey, that's that's like the only thing we we're gonna take away, and uh, it'll be another year before Darren joins us. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, he'll forget about all this. <laughs> all right, uh, you know, wrapping this up, I got I got a question oh, yeah, in closing. Yeah. Um, what would you be doing if you didn't hunt or shoot archery? Man, I don't know. I I, I love to fish. I'm uh, I fished for a long time as a youngster that was like my passion and my love and that's what my son has adopted my son's 25 and he lives on the water and he loves to competitive bass fish um i was a big golfer before i started archery my late teens uh there right through my early 20 uh i played golf that's all i did was play golf um, I'm in love with fast cars. I've got a 1970 Charger RT and, you know, I got a couple of trucks and I don't know what I'd be doing. You know, it's hard telling golfing, fishing, um, uh, drag racing, who knows, but, uh, archery kind of took precedence and was the true love of my life. And it was one of those things where I could see the results, you know, the harder I worked, the better the results were. And 
I had dollar signs in my eyes. I wanted to win some shoots and make some money so I could support my other crazy hobbies. And it just all came together in a cool little recipe, and it ended up working out. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, we that appreciate you coming me. back. What's that? What's that? See, what do you got? Darren, I'm, 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 now I'm a little sad, and I was a little sad when I found out you got the promotion because you were working our territory, which means you would be in our area. And yep. I was always hoping to play a round of golf with you. Oh, let's do it sometime. Well, when's the next time you're going to be in the Quad City area? We'll have to golf. I have no idea, but if I do get up there, I'll bring my clubs and we'll do it. I'm not a very good golfer, but I love it. I used to play decently when I was younger, and now I hit one or two really good shots around that keeps me coming back. But, you know, I'll I'll, I'll be on a 450-yard par four and two and then four putt. That's how my, that's yeah. how my golf game is, you know. So. Well, I've, never, the, I've never played an actual game of golf, uh, so maybe that'll be my first time ever, so you'll feel really good about yourself. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, maybe you could have some beginner's luck, too, but there is a golf I don't think you can get real lucky at. You'll hit one or two good shots, but to be a good golfer, I have all the respect in the world for those guys. I went to uh, the BMW Championship up at Cricket Stick a few years ago and watched the PGA Tour pros for the first time ever live, and it it's ridiculous. I mean, absolutely ridiculous how talented those men and women are that play professional golf and what they can do. No wonder they make millions of dollars a year because yeah. it's crazy. Well, we have the John Deere Classics this coming it, No, it's happening right now. Oh, yeah. There was right a deer to... on the course. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough. Uh, which one of the uh, the Morrow, is it Tyler or Jacob? One of them's a golfer. Uh. I'd say Tyler's probably the better golfer. I know they both play, but I, I think if memory serves me correctly, Tyler is a little bit uh, more well-rounded on the golf course than what Jacob is. Okay. Okay. Well, you'll have to bring them, too. And then, hey, we'll do, I'll do a podcast after a great round of golf. I'll just <laughs> I'll drink a couple of beers and sit on the golf cart and make funny guys. That boy, you be the caddy. <laughs> I'll be the caddy. You need to get the Marlow boys on a podcast. You talk about fun and interesting. Those uh, those two right there are quite. Uh, they're entertaining to say the least. We'll podcast with anyone, Darren. We're desperate. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, don't make us sound desperate. Is that why? I keep, is that why I keep getting the invite? <laughs> yeah. Once a year, Darren. Once a year. <laughs> hey, we need Perfect. more professional archers on. Wait, I'm Facebook uh, friends with one of them. There you go. <laughs> no, we really do appreciate you coming back. You are our favorite, our favorite guy in archery, man. Definitely, you're, you're just the realest person there is. And from the first time we met you there at at the Bone Shed, and you treated us like we were one of your buddies, and taught me how to shoot a back tension release. And you it, still shoot that release? Yeah, I still do. I bought the hex, and um, yeah, that's cool. That's and that's what it's all about. You know, I I watched some of the professional shooters you know as i was going up through the ranks trying to get to that level and for some reason and, and not that they were stuck up or cons- they weren't you know i just didn't know you know maybe it was the environment i just felt like they weren't accessible or approachable and i thought you know what if i ever get to the point in my archery career that people give a crap about what i'm doing i don't want to be out of touch or out of reach i want to be available and accessible and be able to share my stories and you know give some feedback some in put share some experiences and you know that's the that's the important part of me is being able to give back to the sport that's given me so much and you know i don't uh i don't walk around with a chip on my shoulder i'm not 
better than anybody else out there and i work my butt off to try to stay competitive and i appreciate everybody from novice to professional and admire what everybody's out there trying to do so um i I just try to keep it real and you know treat everybody the same and that's it's been a success story all the way around if you if you approach it that way awesome well we appreciate the heck out of you man and everything you do for our sport and uh everything you're doing for elite archery we're uh we're shooting elites we got to know uh all the boys from the virtue and respect the game and larry and uh nice and paul biggs all those all those guys pretty well over the last year and oh and um, another indiana guy old tj unger oh yeah love tj what a character that guy is yeah he's a dandy yeah those guys are up there in northern indiana and they do a good job promoting the brands and you know philip vanderpool larry mccoy like you said you know those just an awesome team you know elite's got a lot of great great people uh you know not just talented shooters and great deer hunters just good people you know podcasters yeah yeah, there you go. You know, it, 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 it's hard to go wrong when you just have good people surrounding you. You know, so it's uh, it's it's a great environment. Definitely, definitely. Well, anything you want to close out with? Anything like where can people find you? Any shout outs or anything? Yeah, I'm Facebook. You know, Facebook Messenger. I don't really have a website. I do have an athlete page on on Facebook. Um, I don't do a ton of social media stuff i need to do more um but yeah you reach out to me on facebook there facebook messenger go over and like the athlete page sometimes i'll post some cool little sneaky pictures of some new stuff once in a while but uh <laughs> you know watch for us on the boat junkie stuff check us check out asaarchery.com ibo.net nfa.org you know get out there and shoot some leagues shoot some competitive archery and man who knows archery's taking me around the world and uh, who would have thought it you know playing with bows and arrows you could make a decent living and it's uh it's been a really cool adventure and you know go out there and give it a try and and don't miss out on a great sport all right i think we're going to close it with that that's perfect so thanks to everyone for listening we love you workingclassbowhunter.com check out elite archery we love you go shoot your bow Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.